0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mic check, test, baby. One, two, three, check, check, test.
1: <sighs> Mic <Mike> test. <laughs> Our now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions.
2: Mike. I give it back to the 30, or down to the 20, All oh, the
0: band is out on the field! I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com.
1: Liner gonna try to sneak it ahead, touchdown SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
0: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. We got our Week 8 recap to do. We got our week nine previews to do. Ryan has English breakfast tea to drink. I have English breakfast tea thanks to Mr. David David Woods. Damn right. With honey. And uh, milk. And milk. And David also has some donuts that I brought. So, you know. They're not all for me. But there's some for you. Yeah. You you were you are pleased one. with yeah. the selection. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Ryan got me a bunch of
1: childlike donuts uh, that have sprinkles on them. Right. Which is my preference because They're, I am a child.
0: I had a cream filled one because I I'm like a fat kid in a not as fat kid's body or something, you know, but I love those things. So that's great. But yeah, so we got a little breakfast going on. We are simulcasting live on YouTube. If you're watching, thanks very much. Put your comments up there. I will do my best. Is it a simulcast if we're only live in one platform? Well, we're recording the podcast, and it's like simulcast. uh, Yeah, but I
1: think it's a simulcast if you're doing like live radio and TV at the same time. Mm. But I don't know if this counts as a simulcast because actually, because this is the live portion, this might actually be technically this is the the primary. This is the primary. This is the broadcast. But I mean, the
0: primaries are podcast. Like that's where. Well, in
1: theory, but we are clearly prioritizing this thing because this is the part that's live. We are not, in fact, doing Twitter Spaces. We are not. (laughs) We are not doing Twitter
0: Spaces. We could. We could. I did one. I did one of my own. Yeah, yeah, you sure did. Uh, you no, sure did. That was fun. Yeah. Um we could do it, but it's just it's hard to uh to record that and the podcast and everything. It would have to be like a separate entity. You keep saying that. We could well, you know, you could do something. Like no. Big, uh, you did get me my, my no, tea. That's, that's uh Thank that's, you for my tea. That's not aligned with my brand. Mm. That's true. You have to be very on brand. Yes. Um <laughs> Ryan Hawkins uh, put some comments up. He said, Oregon beat that ass, Dave. Yes, we're going to get to all that. Uh, Then we had another second week in a row marquee game uh, in the Pac-12. So we're going to talk about that one. We got one tonight. The marquee game of the, well, there's two marquee games this weekend. We have one, Utah going to Washington State. We know how hard it is to win in the Pac-12 on the road. So Utah, one of the top four favorites to win the conference. They're going to go on the road, take on Washington State. The other one is the interim head coach bowl when you got arizona state and colorado like that's the best game outside of i mean that's probably the best game right that's the best game the interim head coach bowl absolutely other ones are all just lopsided like you know whatever gobbledygook but that one is going to be good and of course tonight we got a thursday game in the pac-12 we're gonna get to all that we got a recap of what was going on if you want to send us an email we got some email questions this week pac-12 podcast at gmail.com you can call or text us at four two four five three two zero six seven eight you can go tweet at us at uh, at packl podcast on the Twitters uh the website com where we got all our old shows and all the content and you can see our rankings and all that David did you look at our I, I tried no. to update the okay well I updated the rankings hopefully it's uh I love uh, to be as surprised as our viewers nice uh, oh we got some uh, spam let me uh, oh nice. Yeah.
1: Hey, there's a free virtual girls chat, guys. Nice. So little spammers. So got rid of them. Also, okay. I don't even see Ryan Hawkins in here. Like, I don't see him in my comments.
0: You don't? What's going on here? I know it showed up on. Uh, Does Ryan Hawkins have me blocked? Oh, maybe no. That could be. Well, Ooh. I didn't see him in the comments here either. But uh, where did you see him then? How did you get that? Uh, it came it came up on my wirecast screen. That's so weird. Yeah, it went okay. up on the screen. So people were watching. They can see all that stuff. So uh good stuff there um yeah but go to the website uh we update well don't go to the the website there's no point yeah i i update it so we have to you should go to the website uh you can go over to reddit if you want to chat with other POC listeners, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions but the most important thing apple podcast that app on your iphone or your ipad wherever get it subscribe to the podcast of champions leave us a five-star review and any kind of comments you want Don't break the rules. I think we had a rule breaker this week, David. Five-star review. Then talk all the trash you want. We did have a rule breaker this week,
1: but I'm going to allow it because I want to read that one. You do? (laughs) Is it the first? Okay. No, we got four. All right. Four. We have one from Ambulance9, which I think is one of your alts, maybe. It's a five-star review. One of my alts. Clutch mute feature. Best part of the whole show was Ryan muting David in the most recent episode. I'm offering a proposal for that to happen a minimum of once per episode with upside from multiple David Mutes per show.
0: I would say that's a nuclear option. That's like a once in a, a season, maybe. I feel I feel that's a once in a season, maybe. I
1: feel thing. like that's a very weird thing for you to have written uh <laughs> under your alternate account. Uh this is from Smithy Opie, uh five-star review. Stanford and Beaver fan. I have two things to say. Stanford looks like it has a pulse. Jack Coletto is automatic for two-ish yards. That is all, Jeremy. Mm. I would say no and yes. No? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Then from Braylon M., a three-star review. Rare read of a three-star review. Whiny Abraham. Mm. Removing my five-star review because of Ryan's complaining about the refs. Left three stars because David was trying to talk sense into him. Now, normally we wouldn't read a three-star review. However, this one was so clear
0: and rational that I felt we needed to. I said, so I want to like I need to ask some advice here because as someone who constantly gets, I mean, I don't want to say ridiculed, but, but you know, really, when the chats, when people are like, putting comments up, that's usually like something positive about me and something like negative about you. Right. So this is
1: like, you know, it's like a reverse. Are you having trouble? Like, is it like giving you vertigo?
0: No, I, I like it's like, oh, OK, like we when we put ourselves out there, you're going to get criticism like that's fine. We all, we all do that stuff um i've never been criticized <laughs> but is it like i'm not sure what i'm supposed to feel like it's, it's very different it's it's an odd odd sensation it's an odd one yeah
1: yes. a little tingly yeah 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 uh, and then finally uh this is from rj stowe too chip and the poc i've consistently listened to the poc for six years jesus i'm sorry after each year and sometimes a few podcasts i expected this podcast to silently disappear in the night the ever-enterprising Ryan and the sadistic Dave put minimal effort into an honestly, moderately entertaining show. Their collective commitment to the show was less than inspiring, yet their ambivalence became the most, interest, uh, became the most entertaining part of the podcast. The less prepared they are, the better the podcast. Listening weekly became my personal exercise in futility. Their ascent mirrors the complacent attitude Chip Kelly has enacted in his program development at UCLA. Somehow, by just existing long enough, he has created a competent program similar to the POC. It's a shame the POC and Chip are leaving the Pac-12 soon, just as they reach their peak of incredibly slow ascent. Thank you, Ryan and Dave, for doing the bare minimum.
0: Thank you, RJ. We are very good at the the bare minimum.
1: Yeah, we we excel at doing
0: average. And we can't go away. Like, we, first of all, our incompetence, or I don't know what you want to say, like, you know, We've sprouted, like we grew all these Pactful podcasts. So I feel like we're like the daddy of all these Pactful podcasts, right? Like we've. Who's your fun- daddy? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now we can't go away, you know? We, we like No, I mean, what what kind of dad would that make us? Heck, Gonzalo and Wilner are trying to do a podcast. Who wants to listen to those two clowns? What no, the heck do no. they know? What do they know? With the guests and stuff. <laughs> That's great. I love yeah. those guys. Um, they've been frequent guests here. We, and I love, I mean, Hopefully we did help the you know because there wasn't really a lot in this market right um, and there's interest there there's definitely interest it's different um, you know we do things a little different out here on the west coast so hopefully <laughs> we definitely do uh, jumping into things yeah picks we got to get to those picks a little bit later hey did you make your uh, survival pool no who you got I, I, I'm not supposed to say anymore you're not supposed Ma- to say Matthew, Matthew said I wasn't
1: supposed to say anymore okay. Because well, I'm 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 driving. I'm driving influence? people. I'm, okay. I'm moving. I'm moving so the we'll, uh,
0: the the line. You can put it picks. in the dock, and you well, you just do whatever. Uh, yeah. So oh, I forgot. He said, please. Um. Yeah, he told me not to share my damn picks anymore. Yeah. Okay. Not do that anymore. So we started with 257 entries. Uh, we had 32 going into last week. Uh, for week eight, 24 survived. Um, two people failed to submit a pick. He says, Matt says, come on, people. Yeah, if you made it this long, don't miss your picks here. Uh, The winners, we had 24 winners. Most of them were on Oregon State, which you were on correctly. Uh, Oregon, we had six, uh, 13 Oregon State, six for Oregon and five for Stanford. Holy cow. Uh, The six losers, Arizona State. So I guess you were on like, there was a coin flip there. And you, you know, if you go, you went into it. Those six people that picked Arizona State and said, "Hey, Stanford's not going to score a touchdown." You feel pretty good about your pick. They would say, "Yeah, sure," but that didn't work. What and, I will say is, if you are interested in picking Colorado, this is probably the last week to do so. Yeah, and there's one Ryan. The, there's one Ryan who hasn't picked Colorado. Uh, who picked Colorado already? So he has an advantage, but he hasn't picked. I think it was Arizona State and Cal, from what uh, we were told. So, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. There's some some options there. Let's see. Uh. Where do we want to go? Oh, I want to thank uh, our sponsor for sure. Uh, my bookie. Go over to my bookie. Was big in there. I thought, man, I start off two and zero this week. I was like feeling really good. I am feeling good about my Arizona State six and a half under. I think if they w- lose one more game, then that's over. Um, not over, but it'll be under. But yeah, go to my bookie. You can. Who's mat- on first? Who's on first? I don't know. I don't know. he's third base. Uh, yeah. Promo code is PAC12. So go in there. If you haven't put your bets down, you should follow us because we've been about 500 for the last four weeks or so after like some, a better start. We're still hanging on, about 500 record, but we haven't been as good in our picks. But you can be better. You can beat us. Any of the picks that we announce on this podcast, you go, that doesn't make any sense. Just bet the opposite of it. Uh, but at your initial deposit at my bookie up to $1,000 will be matched. So use the promo code PAC12. That's for us. That's our promo code PAC12. Go over to my bookie. It's been great. I've had so much more fun. These last two years, I guess, I've been betting along with the picks that we make. We care about our picks already. Now that i got some juice on it, some actual money, I care about them even more. And when you start off 2-0, and o, Dave, and then like 0 for 2, your last one, that kind of stinks. But uh, I mean, at least I wasn't 1-3. I'm not going to say who that was. But that's, uh, you know, whatever. That's where we are. Uh, <laughs> but go over to my bookie. Initial deposit uh, that we match up to $1,000. So 100% match. Use the promo code PAC12. Uh, all right, David. Well, how was your, this was a kind of a slow weekend, right? Yeah. What, the, only four games. Yep. We got some newsy stuff though. Like some, uh, some breaking news. Uh, George Kleofkoff, you might've heard of him. Uh, he's Kalashnikov. he's up at, uh, San Francisco PAC 12 basketball media days. And, uh, there was a New York Times story, I believe, that leaked his letter to the UC Board of Regents. If you don't mm-hmm. know what that is, it's like whatever, the government body for Cal and UCLA, the part of the Pac-12 and all the other UC schools. Um, he basically wrote a letter saying, like, hey man, can you guys block UCLA from from leaving and going to the Big Ten? And uh didn't want that out. So he kind of addressed that. There was like, he didn't say anything, it was leaked. Um, but he sort kind of doubled down, right? He said, uh, he still said that UCLA would be. You know, losing money if they go to the Big Ten. He talked about the um, the, the the revenue gap. Like the, you know, the Pac-12 is essentially going to catch up to the Big Ten and the SEC, which I don't think makes any sense. But that's what he was saying. Sort Maybe of they're like, getting into robbing banks. <laughs> it could be something. I you know, is Amazon just going to like put a truckload of money in your? I, I don't know. They don't seem to be like spending money like crazy just for for nothing. Um, so some of that stuff. But I get it. You're defending the conference. You're you're doing what you can. But um, you know, th- I thought that was kind of interesting that he that you know would kind of address that sort of being leaked. Any chance of this meeting anything? What, what were your thoughts on George Kleofkov's uh, you know statements at Peckville Basketball Media Day?
1: Uh, well, I think a big <clears throat> a big part of it is he's got to do this crap. Like he can't. Um, he's got to lie and spin and do the whole thing. I think being honest at this point that you know the league's in a lot of trouble. Um, they're having issues finding the media partners necessary to not just close the gap but to maintain the gap and not see it further widen um i think being honest about all of that is hard um and would diminish confidence i think it's a delicate balancing act because he also has to you know not say stuff that's so outlandish that people start to doubt his leadership um so i think it's a a fine line he's walking Uh, I think with the UCLA thing, I don't know. It it doesn't sound like they're at all hopeful anymore. I think a month or two ago, they were somewhat hopeful they could block the move or get UCLA to reconsider. Um, Judging by the tenor of what he was saying now, it sounds like that possibility is sort of, you know, been foreclosed upon. Um, So I think it's now just trying to shore up confidence in the remaining uh, institutions to make sure they don't try to jump ship and probably... He's really trying to get their grant of rights, um, make sure they all sign on for the next deal. So uh, he's got a really tough job. I think he's getting a lot of criticism right now because of the circumstances of uh, when he came on board. But I don't know how you handle his situation better. Um, You just I mean, you've got to kind of lie and try to build confidence and all that other stuff. And whether
0: it works or not, I mean, it's, it's sort of an impossible job right now. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's a very, a very tough job. I I don't know. I think you can say things though that people will, that are more believable, like here's what we're gonna do, and we feel like, you know, if UCLA would have stuck around, if USC and UCLA would have stuck around, we feel we could have done even better than what people thought. I know there was numbers reported out there. Um, you know, but to No, because st- that just sounds like sour grapes. He's gotta build confidence for who's gonna remain.
1: Uh it's not about like justifying his conference or justifying like the it's not about expressing bitterness at this point he has to say something that's going to make oregon and washington say oh okay um yeah and i think that's got to be the hope for him uh, and not to mention you know asu in arizona and and utah and colorado all these schools that could um you know start looking at the big 12 or the big 10 um and so he has to hope to shore that up um i think he's gotta he's gotta have something in his pocket at some point here soon like it's got to be announcing san diego state and whoever else it's got to be you know there's got to be something that's going to actually move the needle in a positive direction besides just hot talk um so hopefully he has that coming um because otherwise i i I don't think it would be prudent for the other schools to you know just sign over their
0: grant of rights and hope for the best and i think right now the best you know the you know, the best trump card he has is that the playoff is expanding. So there's not really as much of a reason to go somewhere else and, you know, just try to maximize your revenue. But you're right. You got to keep the conference together. The big 12 is trying to push their deal up. Um, you know, they're making some smoke over there, but I feel like there could be a lot of smoke and it's just the way the landscape is in college football. Now it just makes sense for everyone to kind of stay where they are.
1: Well, isn't the big 12 getting its ass kicked on its new media deal too?
0: I well, they're trying. theirs not is not up for later. I mean, they can't even do their exclusive window for like another like year and a half or something. But, but I
1: remember the early numbers were
0: not great it did because look good, they yeah. lost
1: a bunch of markets with Texas and Oklahoma. Like. Yeah, but
0: it's, I mean, it's a competitive conference. I think that's what you kind of have to sell, right? And uh,
1: yeah, and I think the Pac-12's path is be uh, uh, essentially a Big Twelve. You're not going to be the money making conference, but you could develop a kick ass football conference. Yeah, um, and so. It's kick-ass right now.
0: Like, I, mean, I mean,
1: yeah, it's got, it's got some really good programs in it, and I think the Big 12 is that where, yeah, they're not going to win the money game, but talent um, you know, and, and actual competitive uh, teams, especially with what they're adding next year and the year after, um, that'll be a pretty good conference.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, a little newsy stuff. The Big Ten decided to keep their divisions. So, like, the Pac-12, as soon as, like, within six minutes, I think, of the NCAA saying that you don't need divisions. You, know, you can have a championship game without divisions. The Pac-12 was ready. Like, boom, we're out. And uh, the Big Ten is sort of, like, doing a slower approach. I get it because they're adding USC and UCLA in 2024. Instead of, like, reshuffling the deck in 2023, um, they're going to do it. They're going to wait for, you know, one more year divisions. They have an unbalanced division. So I think all the people in the West one, that's the sucky one. I forget which one's the sucky one. The West one's the sucky one. They still want like a chance to like win the, you know, win something. Um, they're not in the one with Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and all that. Um, so I think they wanted to keep that like one more year as long as they could. I'm curious to see, but the the point of this would be with a Pac-12, because how's the deck get reshuffled in 2023? where you're like pure no division so like is the schedule not going to have anything to do with the divisions anymore either do you like do some fun things with usc and ucla on their last year i'm curious to see how the pac-12 kind of handles that but the big the big 10 is going to stay in pat until they add usc and ucla
1: yeah and that makes sense for the big 10 um not introduce two changes in back-to-back years and instead just do it one time um yeah the the scheduling model for the big 10 will be interesting whether they go with pods whether they go with some sort of rotating schedule based on you know the relative program strength the previous year what it's going to look like um and yeah for the pac 12 i mean we're going to see that that'll be really interesting what uh Cause that's the time to start doing the deep dicking of UCLA and USC on the last year. Oh yeah, like oh wow, you've got like four Thursday night road games. Sorry about that. I don't know back what back.
0: happened in the schedule. You have a Thursday <laughs> <laughs> followed by a Saturday, like two days apart. You're playing at Oregon and at Washington. Man, that's a uh, just that's I, the way the cookie crumbles. I would laugh so hard. That would be so good. Um, that would be that would be awesome. <laughs> like I would have a lot of respect for Klayovkov if he just like completely tried to screw over. Like USC just lay on the way out because it was funny because they actually said you know into the season like unprovoked they were like we're gonna make sure everything's like competitive balance they're not gonna be whatever treated differently and everyone's like no one was thinking that they were but now now that you mentioned it you're like was that like a thing or yeah yeah um it's kind of funny Uh yeah oh also so what do you think about the division race so we had the top you know the top four teams with Oregon and UCLA and Utah and USC. Mm-hmm. There's these scenarios where there's like three-way ties and there's some weird stuff where you have to look at, com- you know, common opponents. Uh-huh. It seems like a lot of stuff can happen, but it's pretty much those four teams, right? I don't know if you've dug into this yeah, yeah. too much. What do you got? What do you mean? What, what, do, you, what do you think? What do I think of the race? Yeah, you know, like what is it? Is anyone? Could Washington sneak in or Oregon State or something or what's the? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, there's still enough games to be played that uh, pretty much every, well, pretty much the top eight teams are still alive. Um I think, uh, realistically, um, with what each program has left, there's not a whole lot of projectable losses left on the schedule. I mean, Utah and Oregon still have to play. USC and UCLA still have to play. But the rest of the games against the top four teams are already done. Um, so, I mean, for UCLA, they've got Stanford this week. And then it's ASU and Arizona. And then Cal. Um, and Sanders between all that is USC. Um UCLA will probably be, I don't know, 10-point favorites at least in each of those games aside from USC. Uh, USC, I think, in every game besides UCLA is going to be at least a, what, 10-point favorite, 14-point favorite? Yeah,
0: they they have one road game. It's Arizona, and they're 15-and-a-half-point favorite or something. So that's probably their hardest game outside of UCLA.
1: The one that's hardest to imagine missing the Pac-12 title game at this point is Oregon uh, because they get Utah at home. Uh, If that was in Salt Lake, then I would say... Okay, it's pretty much a toss-up still. I think Oregon things would have to go pretty wrong at this point for them to miss the title game. Um, But I think the rest of it, it's just it's going to be dependent on some things. I think Utah's got the toughest path because they have to go on the road at Oregon. Um, But and they got to go to
0: they they have two Pacific Northwest trips because they got to go to Washington State this week. Yeah,
1: so I really look at it as two games remaining that are super significant, and it's no rocket science. It's Oregon and Utah. Who wins that one? Because I think if Oregon wins that, it eliminates Utah um, for the most part. Yeah, and then USC and UCLA, I think that's going to be for the other berth in the Pac-12 title
0: game. Yeah, no, th- I think that makes sense. Um, no undefeated teams left in the conference uh, with UCLA uh, going down. Want to let uh, if you are watching on YouTube, please like our feed and and get our we what if you can yeah, subscribe. We've got seven likes. Are you guys even watching this crap? We we got over fifty people watching. Uh, like subscribe i think we're we're almost a 500 subscribers on our youtube channel that's pretty good like out of doing nothing so that's great that's uh, great we yeah. lost we lost a viewer we're at 53 now nice uh we'll get in there like and subscribe we appreciate Sh-box. all that well i think uh we have to do our pack 12 roundup oh but, yeah baby but by the way congratulations to david like we only have what 24 people left in the survival pool and you are still among them you know I was eliminated with the herm Edwards firing. Game. It's all about taking no risks ever there were you took some risks. When did I take
1: a risk? I mean, there were some risks. I think I picked like a fourteen point favorite literally every single week I,
0: I mean I did too, but herm lost, so like that was that was bad. well,
1: you counted on herm. That was your problem,
0: yeah, uh have you picked Arizona State yet?
1: I have i declined to state
0: you should for this weekend. I declined to state uh yeah okay um, all right, so let's go over our uh power rankings because uh, and I did them so if you don't like them this was yeah, Disney. I
1: didn't I didn't look at them at all, so I'm gonna be as surprised as you are.
0: I changed uh, our
1: number twelve team. Yeah. we have Colorado Buffalo. It's That's an old familiar place
0: because they went on the road and they took on our number five team, Oregon State Beavers. Huh? And they got their ass kicked! Any issues with Colorado going back to the cellar? Good God, no. Um, (laughs) uh,
1: Colorado's ass. uh, They turned the ball over four fucking times in this game. Two fumbles, two picks. Uh, JT Shrout was bad. Um, I mean, he generated some yardage, so I don't want to say he was bad. I mean, we've seen some... (laughs) We're judging on a relative scale, Everyone. Colorado quarterback being bad is uh, they couldn't complete a pass. JT Shrout could complete some passes. Uh, he just completed some of them to the other team. Um, <laughs> without the turnovers, the game's a little bit closer. I think that's a saving grace. Um, but uh, yeah, Colorado was horrible. Um, Oregon State was fine. Um, I don't think they like blew anyone away through the air. I mean, Ben Goldbranson is still throwing the ball. Um, he's fine. Uh, but they ran... All the hell over, uh, Colorado. Damian Martinez is really, really good. Uh, he had 178 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I
0: think it was Pac-12 Freshman of the Week again. He's probably done that. Like, yeah, yeah. How he, many weeks we have? Like, eight weeks. He's like, yeah, done no. That, like,
1: Oregon State has once again found a. Uh, uh, a real top-flight quarterback, uh, running back, and he's—they um, never
0: do that. Like they never get good running. They backs never do. Though. Like they, I don't know They never what just it come is. out of. Nowhere. Finally, they got yeah.
1: somebody it's, that can run the ball. It's amazing. It's amazing <laughs> how they did that this year for the first time ever. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not much else to say. Colorado is horrible. Um, and really, all you should take away from this game is holy shit, how bad is Cal? Like, no, but how bad? Um, and how bad is Bill Musgrave because they lost to this Colorado football team.
0: I mean, that might go down in history as one of the worst losses in conference history, right? Like literally like that's just one of the worst things we've ever seen, like that that happened. This wasn't last year, like losing to Arizona when half your team was got the Rona. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Bill Connolly said this should have been a worse score than it was. It should have been a (laughs) 44 point loss. I don't usually look at some of that stuff, but I went in this week to kind of check out some of what he was saying. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like it wasn't this close. Like it wasn't close. We both picked Colorado because it was it was 24 and a half points. Yeah. You know? Mistakes were made. But definitely mistakes were made. But 24 and a half, like, holy cow. Like, if Colorado just showed the pulse that they had, their defense looked better, you know, the previous week. And holy so, cow.
1: So, uh, Colorado, so Bill Connolly also does the post-game win expectancy. So, they have had, uh, they've played seven football games. In six of those games, their post-game win expectancy was less than 0.2%. Ooh.
0: That, that's not good right no that's that's really bad
1: that's really bad but against cal not only did they win that game it wasn't luck they should have won that game they were 75 percent. just well, goes to show you how bad cal is jeez uh
0: well oregon state congrats uh hold on let's do some uh <laughs> Ball eligible for the second straight year didn't make the ap top 25 but maybe they'll move up there but uh yeah i mean that's you know they had that scare against stanford it's their largest margin of victory in a conference game since they beat Cal, aforementioned Cal by forty eight back in twenty twelve. Um nineteen combined points allowed in the last two games, and that's the fewest they've allowed since uh way back in two thousand two. So pretty good, you know, defensive stretch. D- does, for them.
1: does Oregon State have the best defense
0: in the conference now? I mean, it's hard to say if anyone no has no one a good is defense. playing defense in this conference. It's, I think know, they might be the closest thing to it. And I think you look at I mean the home teams are just kicking butt, right? Like three and one this week, the only team the only road team that won was a Washington team that was more than a touchdown favorite, you know? So um I think they technically are the
1: best defense in the conference right now from a points per drive perspective.
0: I have, you know, I have something,
1: uh
0: I had something pulled up. Wait, where is it? Yeah. Uh so the Pac twelve sends out stats. Uh defensive stats through week nine. Points allowed is actually Washington state. Oregon state. No, no, no. no,
1: no. don't do total points allowed or I'm going to quit this show. Um points per drive. Points per drive. I don't I don't have that one. Yeah, honestly. I've got it. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. They're first in the conference. Nice.
0: All right. Well, that's good.
1: Um Don't give me your total stats from the Pac-12. Have you ever looked at their stupid website?
0: Hey, I'm just saying. I'm like they're, you know, I get oh, their geez. emails. I like the get stuff. Get out of here. Uh you you mentioned David Martinez, Martinez. Uh 22 carries. 178 yards and three tugs there, pretty good. Colorado has lost their last nine true road games and their last seven road conference games. So not very good on the road. And, and we know it's hard to win in Impact 12. All of those losses by at least 23 points. So they weren't even like in the ballpark. Like not even within three scores of any of those. Uh See, this is the problem. This yeah. is
1: the problem that I was talking about uh early on in the season. You want Owen 12. One and eleven isn't fun. Nobody, I mean, 11 nobody, would be fun. Nobody likes one and eleven. Nobody's like, oh yeah, I remember that time we went one and eleven. No, zero <sighs> oh, and twelve. That's something you can st- sit with. That's yeah. something you can tell your grandchildren about.
0: But uh, Colorado actually a bunch of. Um, Plays in this one, but 290 total yards, 5.1 yards per play. That's not good if you know like some of those number thingies. And uh, they've been held under 350 yards in all seven games this year. So they have wait, wait, not are, got over 350 are yards. Are we
1: still talking out. about this game?
0: Yes. I just, I just, I'm finished talking about okay. this game. Okay. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, all right. We uh, move yeah, them up. Yeah, let's get to the main event. We move them up from the, the bottom.
1: <laughs> California Golden Bears.
0: <laughs> this was so ugly. I was, I was, drunk at a bar (laughs) watching this one uh they are our number 11 team and they're taking on our number six team hosting our number six team washington
2: huskies
0: (laughs) this was such a weird game i haven't so like i've been kind of like out of town like doing work on this project and stuff so i haven't like been out like drinking very much by week for usc like uh guys that i coach volleyball with they had like a top golf thing so i'm like kind of watching this there and we we end up going to bars in Hermosa and I like I tied one on. I haven't been drunk in like a while and I just got drunk. And I just remember like looking at this game like, What the hell is going on here? It was really weird. It was a really bad game. We both um, we got this wrong too, because we both had Washington. Like it's Coney. one of those games that like makes
1: you, you know, have some deep existential thoughts late at night on a Saturday. Like, why am I doing this? Hmm. Where did where did everything go wrong for me that I'm sitting here doing this? Um <laughs> That's that's what this game was. Um it was 6 nothing at halftime, Washington. And it wasn't as if, like, like, Washington had been able to move the ball. It was just, like, I don't know if they were tired, if they were kind of exhausted, if they were thinking existential thoughts, but they would just kind of peter out at the end of their drives. And it'd be, like, a fourth and three. And, like, I don't know if Kalen DeBoer was just, like, I'm tired, too. I don't want to think that hard. But, like, there was a fourth and three they decided to kick on. And it's, like, you can't get three yards against Cal's defense. What's wrong with you? Um... So it was six, nothing. They missed a field goal. It could have been nine, nothing, but just a really just listless half of football. And then in the second half, it was just like a touchdown fest for some reason, out of nowhere. Uh, the first, uh, four drives out of the, out of halftime were touchdowns. Um, and then, uh, the six of the first seven, uh, combined for both teams. I mean, Cal started to move the ball. It was like, um, you know, they got a jolt of caffeine at halftime. Um, but like uh, english breakfast tea with honey and milk i, I guess whatever um i was actually impressed with jack plummer in the second half he was throwing the ball pretty well um but uh, uh my man Phoenix, um was pretty good uh they just i don't know i mean washington's washington's uh good um their offense is good but it just i don't know if it's just the the running game just not being consistent at all but they just don't um in a game like this, they didn't generate points the way they should. Um, they were moving the ball pretty well, but just not um, converting. Uh, and it allowed Cal to hang around, and Washington's defense is pretty bad, so Jack Plummer looked pretty good.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was a... This was one where it looked like Washington should have been taking control. They were seven a half point favorites. We both took Washington. They ended up winning by seven. They kept allowing Cal to come back and score. Like... We didn't see this kind of life out of Cal last week on the road at Colorado. With Must Street. have been the pajamas they were wearing. <laughs> like, Did you see Washington's uniforms? What the hell was that? Let me put that back up on the screen for you guys. So uh, you can only see like the helmets look cool, like all the white. I don't, what were the pants? I forget what the pants were. They were
1: blue, they had the yellow and then they had the dark navy blue. Yeah. And then uh, Washington was wearing white and then like chrome that looked silver. Um, I mean, in theory, I think it had a purple hue to it. Ah, uh, but it just looks yeah, sober. Yeah, purple here. Like they looked like I don't know.
0: The face masks are purple. That's kind of cool. But
1: no, yeah. no, it looks like ass. Don't do this. Don't do this. Like I oh, don't really care. No, about I had uniforms. so many idiots. So I don't give a shit about uniforms ever, except when it they're hideous. Like you do. No, except when they're hideous. <laughs> and so I post my thing, and then people like, "Oh, you're an old fogey, boomer," and I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Actually, just because it's like new doesn't mean it's good." You're older than me. That's what everyone keeps saying. So.
0: No, it's ass. <laughs> Big shitty. <laughs> not good. They look like dick. So, if you watch early, like, Washington was getting the red zone and not scoring. Like, they should have been up by, like, three scores at halftime. Um, the adjusted scoring margin for this game from Bill Connolly was 14 and a half. You know, and they end up winning by seven. So, definitely, Washington was leaving some points on the table. I don't know if it's just on the road. This is the first time they scored under 30 this season. Um, I just felt like we got this one wrong by, like, half a point, but it felt like Washington should have won by more. Like everything you look at, it is like. Uh, but the, the Huskies are bowl eligible, twelfth time in the last thirteen seasons. So congrats to U uh, Dub, another bowl. Yeah, team. And,
1: and great job to DeBoer. I mean, that's a turnaround already.
0: Very big turn. I mean, obviously, you take over the pile of crap that that Jimmy Lake, Jimmy Lake left and stuff. <laughs> For Cal, uh, so third straight loss in a game decided by one score. They are one and eight in their last nine games decided by seven points or less. So that's since the start of last season. So they've not been good when things are close. Uh, Maybe having like a bad offense is is part of that. Uh, This was Cal did have a six-game home winning streak. So that was snapped. So Washington got the win. But if you watch the game, they should have won by more. Even when I was drunk, I could tell that they were you know should have won by more. Uh, Third straight conference loss for Cal. Um, They've had a three-game conference losing streak in every season since the start of 2010 so imagine that every year cal loses at least three conference <laughs> games in a row um that's not good you got your your freshman stud Jade Knott, 14 carries 38 yards uh he's been held under 100 yards in all four of cal's losses so there's been some weird games where like a game like that couldn't you have run him more like there was it wasn't like you're getting blown out I don't know. I'm not sure what Cal's really doing there. They he looks so good when they're giving him the ball, and uh, I don't know. It's he,
1: almost like they have an offensive coordinator who shouldn't have a job in football.
0: Yeah. Um. True. Yeah. Uh. Yet, a, yet another duck fan. Dave shitting on Washington is my love language. So that's sweet. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. And then Jesse says, uh, "I think we need a GoFundMe for Dave getting a UCLA backdrop. Bruins 13-9 victory over USC in 2006 will do." d-u-e i think it would have to be the the
1: eric mcneil uh tipped ball interception you could do that yeah that'd be a good one
0: what yeah okay first of all jesse uh, you know we got the the grammar police coming out to you how you spell do but i would say um yeah david it would take some effort no it won't
1: i i will refuse to do it and somebody else eventually will
0: okay i like that's i mean that's your way and you're and you are really good at that so i have a gift you, you have the okay. Our number ten team, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> uh, they were on uh, a road trip. Do you know where they were? At Stanford. They were on the number nine team, Stanford Cardinal. Do you hear that?
1: Is it David Shaw's music? This was- is he back, baby.
0: David Shaw. There's
1: never been a more back David Shaw than five fucking field goals to beat a team. We nailed this one. 15 by the way. to 14. Crushed it. You want to know why? Because Stanford
0: was favored by three <laughs> and he found a way to win the game, but not even by three. I got a great picture of one of the Stanford highlights for you. Yes, it's a kicker because <laughs> five field goals. So that's
1: that's uh, that's in two weeks they have scored one touchdown and that's two wins, baby.
0: Yeah, you don't need to score touchdowns to win. Like no, no, he has proven something new every single week, um, dude. Iowa won ten games last year without an offense. Like you don't need an like that's overrated. I think
1: truly a heinous football game. Um, I don't. I, I. I. There are a few words to describe um, how inept uh, ASU's offense was in the second oh. half um how i I, so second half they did nothing here's the thing people are talking about stanford's defensive improvement and i'm like these dudes have three defensive tackles i'm sorry uh notre dame and arizona state that your offensive staffs are i don't know just you know monkeys on typewriters i have no fucking idea but sorry i'm cursing a lot because stanford just brings it out (laughs) and um but uh that was that was horrific um and hold on they were ferocious. Thank you. We haven't done that in a while. Um, Stanford's run defense coming into this game uh, was allowing well over five and a half yards per carry. Um, th- their defensive line ranks 130th. So this is an advanced stat. 130th in opportunity rate allowed. Opportunity rate is the rate at which you get four yards per carry. Okay. They were allowing a four yard or more run on over 60% (laughs) of running downs and ASU only got 128 yards and under four yards per carry. Horrible. Mm. Um, So anyway, Stanford won the game by a point. Um, I don't think they're good. I don't think they're any good whatsoever. Um, And I think they're going to get exposed real hard this weekend, but uh, they beat ASU, so that's that's three win- wins for our man David Shaw. Yeah,
0: he's on the comeback trail. Um, uh, Emory Jones did get the start, which I thought was maybe questionable, but he looked pretty good early. He had that coming off the concussion. Um, Stanford was doing their thing early in this game. If you watched, and I did, because I'm a sicko, they moved the ball between the twenties, and then you know we're settling for field goals. They had a near pick six that got wiped out by defensive holding. That would have been a touchdown. Uh, I, well, it was really close. They would have been set up like inside the five, but defensive holding kind of called that back. And then they had a tipped interception near midfield. They got the ball back. ASU <laughs> intercepted the ball right back. You're just sort of like, who's going to take over? You know, control this game. Um, they had another Stanford touchdown wiped out from a, a bad holding call. Um, I mean, fourteen to three. I mean, fourteen to nine in the third quarter. Uh, Connolly said that Stanford should have lost by uh, four points. You know, ended up winning by one. They had 83 plays in this game. That's a lot. And for Stanford to have 83 plays, 4.8 yards per play. So that is not good. Um, They had a 10-game conference losing streak that was snapped because they got the win the previous week, but that was Notre Dame. Uh, Since 1996, it's the first game Stanford's won without scoring a touchdown. Now, it's probably before that. This was just what the Pac-12 had since 1990. So they knew Arizona State. Stanford is
1: breaking history.
0: Right. So as, as long as they could, I mean, apparently they couldn't research more, but they, you know, they had these records back to 96. They haven't found a game where Stanford won a game by not scoring a touchdown. They couldn't find a game where Arizona State lost a game that they didn't give up a touchdown. So those are you know kind of historic uh, stuff. It's the third straight game for Stanford decided by two points or less. So three straight games, two points or less. Uh, so... Whatever the spread is for Stanford, just make sure you know it's close. We
1: just got a really intriguing
0: question in chat. Let me; I'll pull it up there in one second. Uh, ASU scoreless in the last forty-four minutes of the game. They they do nothing for the last forty-four minutes. Um, I mean, absolutely insane. Let me see. Uh, what was the who was the question by? Uh, oh. Is there a non-zero chance this game makes the bowl game? This is from Lincoln's Visor. Okay.
1: All right, so let's do this at UCLA. I, I think they're going to get blown off the field. When they've gone against a really good offense, they've gotten smoked. Yes. Um, so I think that's going to be bad. Washington State at home.
0: I'm not going to say it's a it's a game Stanford will be favored in, mm. but it could be a toss-up. I mean, they were favored against Arizona State at home. Like I don't think they'll be favored against Washington State at home. I don't think so either. Uh, at Utah, smoked off the field.
1: <laughs> and then it's at Cal BYU at home. So I think it would require them sweeping Washington State, Cal, and BYU. Okay, which uh, isn't outside the realm of possibility. Like I don't think they're going to be like huge dogs in any of those games. I mean, pac twelve. Yeah,
0: I there's some weird shit happening. Um, six
1: and six Stanford would be the funniest
0: outcome to this season. We've probably talked about this game long enough, right? Hey, it was the closest game of the weekend. It was. I need I need to do something though. Uh, you know, we have our questions and stuff. Uh, when the Zodiac Killer calls in. Specifically about a game. I think we should put it in part of our recap. Is that okay? Yeah. I think he would
2: threaten
1: us if we did.
0: Okay. Here we go.
2: Hello, Ryan. Hello, Sith Lord Dave. That's right. It's me. Resident Stanford fan. Oh, yeah. It happened. It finally happened. David Shaw won a football game by only punting and kicking field goals. (laughs) He has officially ascended into Nirvana, uh, and the rest of us are left to wonder, who might he be speaking with there? So, Dave, question, actually for both of you, but I know this is in Dave's wheelhouse, which former president currently residing in Nirvana would most likely to love David itself and his Will this say conservative approach? And which president would be most likely to be chewing his ass out in the in Nirvana's great waiting room? Keep it mediocre, boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a Cardi in the USA. Get it? Because the kicker's named Josh Cardi, and he's amazing, and he kicks the high field goals. Okay, keep
1: it mediocre, boys.
0: Wow.
1: It's a great question.
0: Yeah. It's a great uh, question. But it's funny, like that David Shaw <laughs> achieves nirvana because he won a game by only kicking field goals and punting. Like, if you write it down, like, what's the plan? Well, if we could win, but it's only using our kickers, like that would be ideal. Like, we don't want to like mess with the end zone and stuff. Like, that's like, you know, that's risky. Yeah. Why would you want to go there? You can stay outside of it. Like, you say, like, you know, keep your distance. When we get close, we get, we can see we're in the red zone. Kick some field goals, you know, pin the teams deep, put them closer to their own end zone.
1: So the answer is Gerald Ford. I was thinking Ford or Carter. Football meathead, Gerald Ford. Okay. Uh, dumb as shit. Um, and David Shaw isn't a stupid man, but he coaches his football very stupidly. Um, For a so- smart
0: guy, like. What's the ratio of like brains to like I think he has
1: he, his he's that you know that um galaxy brain meme where it's the guy's brain growing <laughs> like fully back and then like he's eating it at some level like his brain has grown too large and it has like folded in on itself such that he's thinking wow this this really stupid thing I'm going to do it's going to really it's going to really catch him off guard so I'm going to do the stupid thing. Yeah. And it's been like that since like I don't know 2016. Yeah. So Gerald Ford. I like it.
0: Uh who would beat him up or who would be pissed at him? Like Reagan or something?
1: I think uh Grant. I think Grant would uh, Ooh, Grant God, would be like pretty pissed. Your favorite president. You know, you gotta you gotta just win, baby. Don't don't stick to your guns. You gotta just find a way to win.
0: Or Teddy? T- would Teddy... Teddy
1: Teddy'd beat him up, but Teddy'd beat him up just because he's a pugnacious little fellow. <laughs> like Teddy <laughs> Teddy's just beating up people in heaven all the time. Or hell, wherever Teddy is. Most
0: presidents probably go to hell, right? Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, yet another Duck fan said. Trick question. No presents are in <laughs> Uh A Courtman seventeen says. Had Shaw not done this before, it seems like he has. No, like I told you, the stat was Stanford has never like in the since we've kept records, Stanford hasn't won um a game without scoring a touchdown in the in the records that we were given. So I don't know what year if they ever done it, but it's definitely hasn't happened since David Shaw was there. All so. right. So on to game previews. Let's go on to uh, game previews. Why don't we take a quick break? <laughs> what oh wait, shit. <laughs> I won. You got <laughs> it. We could go on. All right. Back in a minute, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. <laughs> you don't want to go over this one? No, nah, we can. Let's do it. So what did we just do? We just did uh so number our number eight team. Arizona Wildcats. Uh they were on a bye, right? Um, we already talked. Uh, no, we our number seven team is Washington State Cougars. They were also on a bye. Uh, our number five team is
1: Oregon State Beavers.
0: They were on a bye. No, they just played I'm Colorado. Sorry, I'm sorry. They were not on a bye. We already talked about them. Sorry about that. I threw you off so badly. You did. Uh, our number four team. Utah Utes. They were on a buy. Our number three team. USC Trojans. They were on a buy. But we did have number one versus number two. Uh, our number two team. UCLA Bruins. Got their ass beat by Oregon Ducks. Uh, and I got this one right. So now so this game we was tied in our yeah, picks again. Yeah, That's yeah, very yeah, unfortunate yeah. for David, who went one and three in his picks against the spread. <laughs> Please give him lots of hell in the comments. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I only went two and two. I would start off two and oh. It's like feeling good. But you know, you get the one that we had different, then you feel pretty then good. Then you feel okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Um this was a really interesting game. Uh I, I think the big takeaway for me is that uh Dan Lanning is unfortunately a very good coach. I don't even know if I can call him Land Danning anymore. Actually really? I can. Land Danning's a really good coach. I don't think
0: Yeah, I think Land Danning's fine. I mean, as far as like name I don't think it's like insulting but wait, but I was intending
1: it for insulting but now he can he can reclaim it he's reclaimed it through his quality he is Lane Danning the true the one the only uh he outcoached the shit uh out of Chip (laughs) Kelly in this game um so it's not just so all right um and I think the best indication of this was all right so Oregon kicks the onside kick up 1710 in this game uh but People are like, oh, well, if he'd failed on it, it was a bad move. I'm like, no, 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 no. If he failed, he recognized the risk of failure was the same as if they just kicked off because UCLA's offense is really good and his defense isn't. What he was doing was trying to steal another possession for his really, really good offense. Despite being a defensive meathead coach, he understands that his offense is the strength of his team this year, and he's not like worried about their psyches, worried about all this other shit. He's like, no, we're going to onside kick here because we need to steal a possession against this team. We need to be up on possessions in the first half. So that was his move. They succeeded on the onside kick, but success or fail, that was a really smart move. He did the right thing. UCLA, with 3.10 to go in the first half, down 24 to 10, Oregon has shown absolutely no sign of slowing down offensively. Um, they've moved the ball ever since the first possession where they looked a little out of sorts. They've moved the ball really easily scored touchdowns on three straight drives. It didn't look like UCLA had a plan to stop them. Uh, chip Kelly is facing a fourth and five, um, from the Oregon 26 and he kicks a field goal, um, to go down 24, 13, but most importantly to allow Oregon, another chance to score at the end of the first half which makes it insurmountable because, of course, they do, and it's 31-13 at half. You're not coming back from 18 points, but here was here's where it hinged, and this is where I think Lanning Danning uh, showed his understanding of what the complexion of the game was and Chip Kelly failed to. If Chip Kelly goes for that and makes it, um, they can keep the ball from Oregon and score a field goal or a touchdown. doesn't really matter what, but the most important thing is they're denying Oregon a possession. Yes. So if they do that, then it is 24-13 at half or 24-17 at half. If it's one of those two outcomes, they get the ball to start the second half, and suddenly, instead of an 18-point deficit at the start of halftime, you're looking at a one-score deficit. Um, And so it's just that lack of understanding of the importance of the so-called middle eight of the game, um, but also just a lack of understanding of the complexion of the game that was unfolding in front of both of them. Um, Danning came in with a real plan. You know, He understood what it was going to be from the beginning and planned accordingly. Whereas Chip Kelly put in this game plan that was clearly designed for a rain game. um, And anybody who's uh, been to Oregon it doesn't really downpour that much. It, it sort of sprinkles and mists, but yeah, there's the occasional downpour, but it's not often. Um, and they prepared for like, essentially it being like a fully rainy, sloggy field where they were doing all this. Like
0: the rain didn't really come until like Oregon had like it, a two touchdown well, lead or whatever. It, it never like. really
1: came. I mean, it was, it was dewy, it was sprinkling. Um, yeah. But uh, they ran a game plan that was really efficiency oriented, but not explosive. It was all like, keep everything around the line of scrimmage, which, was fine. Their offense was fine. It just wasn't great. And the thing is, UCLA's offense is weak enough in the red zone, and it's comparatively weak. It's not obviously absolutely weak, but it's weak enough in the red zone. You need the explosive plays to get big touchdowns. You need 40-yard touchdowns. You need 50-yard touchdowns because you can't count on them to just grind it out when they're close to the end zone. So there and was the first l-
0: UCLA touchdown was that, like, swing pass, right? That yeah, was, like, it was a, but it was yards. a big explosive, it explosive play. play. It was yeah. a 33-yard
1: um, uh, touchdown catch. So, anyway, there was a lot to this game that was just kind of interesting in—and uh, I think a lot of it did come down to coaching. Now, I think there's an argument that, like, look, Oregon's just a more talented team, and I think that's also right. Um, you know, they've just—at <laughs> a lot of levels, they just have better players, Um but it wasn't everything. And the thing is, if Chip Kelly came into the game with the right plan, I don't think UCLA was winning that game that day, no matter what, because Oregon was firing on absolutely all cylinders. And when a really talented team is firing on all cylinders, you're not going to win. Um, but it would have been a closer game. Um, but I think he came in with the wrong plan. They kicked three field goals. Oregon only kicked one. And that was really the big difference in this game.
0: Yeah. No, I would agree with you. Um for to be a young coach and understand the sort of like games kind of can take a mind of their own or just there's like there's like a, a life of their own you know and uh, like the end of the the USC Utah game when Lincoln Riley's not noticing that Utah's going to score just use your timeouts and get the ball back like you're going to win this game by scoring not by stopping right didn't quite get, he
1: didn't get he was the f- craft he was crafting his arguments about the refs. He was still he was thinking well, about, this.
0: but you you didn't get a feel for what the game was, yeah. right? In this one, Landanning did like we're gonna like we're gonna score, but we got to kick the ball off after halftime. So we want to win the middle eight, right? The, the last four, and they did, and we're gonna steal a possession. If you see something on film, which they did, and they they execute an onside kick, boom. I thought I mean I thought he did a really nice job. We were critical of the coaching staff being like a bunch of recruiters and stuff, but. You know, they've bounced back extremely well since uh you know, the the debacle to, to start the season. Yeah. And, you know, that's what you want. If you have young coaches, um, you got to learn on the job. And I, I think he's learned pretty quickly. So uh kudos to uh you know, Dan Landing and stuff.
1: And and Kenny Dillingham, gotta gotta send a shout out to Kenny Dillingham. That was one, that was um You know, I watched a lot of Mike Norvell at ASU um, when they were really flowing, uh, like 2012, 2013. Um, That was, like, one of the best called games from Norvell during that period. And Norvell, I remember, was one of those offensive coordinators that UCLA fans were, like, coveting, even when the offense was really good. They're like, wow, it just looks so well-planned. It just looks like everything has its place. Like, every movement is part of a design. Like, there was a... One of the touchdowns, or it might not have even been a touchdown, it might have been one of the pass interferences, but it's Bo Nix rolling right, but he gets this perfect angle to throw over the top of the cornerback um, covering a post, and it just goes, sails right over him into the hands of the receiver, or it was P.I., I I can't remember which, but it was just such a a beautiful design of a play um, where every moving part had its purpose. Um and that was like that the whole game. I mean it was just a beautifully called game. Bo Nix played his ass off. I mean that that one that touchdown throw over Devin Kirkwood was really nice. Just gorgeous. I mean cuz Kirkwood it looks like he's burned. He's got is beaten by a step. Um if that ball's not perfectly thrown, uh it's either broken up or a PI. Yeah. Um but it was perfectly thrown. Um and you just, you know, you got to tip your cap at some point.
0: Late in the game when it was 38 to 16, uh, Oregon Bo Nix had four touchdown passes and only three incompletions. So, yeah. like, pretty amazing. Uh, the Ducks, and, you know, we saw the UCLA front seven playing a lot better recently, right? No sacks. Uh, Oregon's only given up one sack all season. That's first in the NCAA. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of crazy. They scored seven straight times in this game. Uh, pretty impressive. This is the 13th straight loss to an AP top 10 team for the Bruins. Uh, not all those are Chip Kelly, right? But yeah,
1: no. How far does that stretch back?
0: It has to go back a while. Yeah, I don't think
1: there've been that many matchups. But yeah, um, um, UCLA hasn't been prepared for those kinds of matchups in a long time. Um, you know, and I think all things considered, I think if UCLA does have to face Oregon again, um, I think look if if Oregon if Oregon plays offense that way again, it's going to be lights out again. Yeah, you have to count on Oregon having a little bit of an off day, which I don't think is outside the realm of possibility we've seen them have off days this year um ucla i mean they scored on (laughs) basically every possession uh it was one that they had an interception on so a little bit more efficiency i thought dorian thompson robinson was fine but he wasn't as good as he had been in the previous six games if he comes and he plays his a plus game like he had been uh for a couple of games there you know it could be a different story in vegas could be a much closer game but i think it does Looking at what Oregon can do offensively, I think it does require, it obviously requires Oregon, um, you know, maybe not being quite as on its game yeah. if, if they do face off again.
0: All right. Well, why don't we, now we could take a quick break. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll come back. We'll preview week uh, nine and we'll get to your questions back in a minute. We should have a donut during the break. I should have gotten you one. I know. I could have thrown it. We you. might do that. Uh, maybe when like the voicemails playing, we can grab a donut or no, something. Nobody but. needs to see us eat. True. Well, I can put different stuff on the screen or whatever. Um, all right, let's get to our week nine preview. We have a Thursday game, David. For uh, the first time all year, right? I think so. I don't think we. I think we've had some Fridays, but not a Thursday. So we have Utah Utes. Going on the road, taking on Washington State Cougars.
1: 7 p.m. are on FS1 tonight. Um, number 14, Utah, uh, taking on Washington State on the road. We haven't seen Utah in a bit. We haven't seen Washington State in a bit. Yeah. Uh, Utah's a seven-point favorite. Um, that's probably going to be a tough atmosphere, I would think, Yeah. up in Pullman. Um, Utah, their offense is really good. Uh, Their defense is pretty weak. Washington State's defense is pretty good. Their offense is pretty weak. What wins Hmm. in a game like that? Offense? I got to think so. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Utah minus seven. Um, I think with Cam Rising's ability to run as well as throw, uh, it makes it a tough ask for Washington State's defense, which is, Good ish, but they're not great. Nobody's great at defense in the Pac 12 this year. Um, so I expect Utah to score some points and, uh, and cover this probably by like 10.
0: Washington State, number one, points per game allowed. I know you like that stat.
1: I Wait love before. it. I love it when you talk about scoring defense. Remember when you did that before the Utah USC <laughs> game? Cause USC was first and then Utah scored 43 points.
0: Yeah. U- Utah was second and they gave up 42. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's almost like pace has more to do with it than, um, Quality of defense and, and the qualities of opponents you faced.
0: So every year in the Pac-12, there's sort of like these factors that you sort out. You kind of figure out, right? Mm-hmm. You just got to figure out what's going on. For me right now, it's the home field. Who has the best road win in the conference? Are there been any good road wins in the conference? Um, Can you think of any off the top of your head? UCLA beat Colorado on the road. Okay, so... <laughs> No,
1: the two Oregon of it, State at Stanford.
0: Again, no, no Washington at Cal. Again, no. no. If they've if they were in the number twelve spot of the like the POC power rankings at some point this season, <laughs> no. So the, the only two that I came up with and maybe I missed something. Oregon got a three point win at Washington State. Correct three point win. USC got a three point win. At Oregon State, in a really weak, weird game that that's Oregon probably, State should that's, have won. That's probably.
1: probably the the best
0: of them uh, because the Oregon State's a bowl eligible team, right? The only like bowl eligible team to like lose at home uh, in the conference, I believe. Uh-huh. Why? It, you look at the way Oregon's playing right now, and you know they're playing pretty well. A few All weeks. All right, ago. fine.
1: I'm picking Washington State. Are
0: you? You've convinced me. Oh, okay. Well, I was, I'm taking Washington State just because. The I mean, I think, I think the road. The home teams were well, I think three and one against the spread, just because Stanford didn't cover. But they won. You know, they won the game. Um, but yeah, it's just like that's a lot of points. I could totally see Utah going in there after a bye week, but the way things are going right now and how hard it is to win on the road and how teams just look like crap on the road compared to at home. Um, yeah, I'm just Give me the points. Like I just, I, I feel much more comfortable like taking points for a home dog. I'm interested to see how that holds up over the next uh, four picks. You know, and we'll see. I know because there's some weird. So we have, so we have that game. We have the. We'll get to the interim, you know, head coach bowl game of the year in the Pac-12, obviously. (laughs) Uh, But then we got like three, like you know, kind of blowout games. But our next one, uh, we have uh, the number eight Oregon Ducks. They're on the road, taking on the fighting California Golden Bears.
1: First, it's total bullshit that Oregon only jumped up to number eight. Whenever one of these Big Twelve teams like beats the other one, like TCU went from thirteen
0: to like eight in one week. Did TCU lose to somebody by forty-six points? Eh, fair enough. Uh,
1: Twelve thirty <laughs> on Fox Sports One. Like this uh, year? Number eight Oregon uh, traveling to Cal. Uh, Oregon's a seventeen-point road favorite. So Cal's really bad. Mm. Um, mm. I, I, I'm struggling to, to find ways that Cal keeps this close because uh, their defense isn't even really good this year. Like that's the thing that I'm kind of having the most trouble with is their defense is merely average, but their offense is pretty bad. Um, they don't score points well. They don't prevent points well. Oregon scores points at an elite level. Now, did Oregon shoot its wad last week and is down for like a a regression game here? Maybe, but Cal doesn't seem like a team you regress against. Um, But Washington just struggled against Cal. They didn't struggle to move the ball, but they struggled to score. But I think with Oregon's run defense being the way it is, or run offense being the way it is, I'm just having a hard time imagining Cal stopping them. Um, you know, it's one thing to stop Wayne Talapapa and Cameron Davis. It's another thing to stop that three headed monster and that offensive line. Mm. So I'm taking Oregon uh, minus 17. I think they win this by 24.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the home dog again. And the 17 points just, it's going to be my theme this week. I believe Um, it's to me. We've seen Cal have an offensive outburst at home when they played Arizona. Now, Arizona's got a terrible defense for sure, but they scored 49 that one. They were feisty against Washington. I don't want to watch They this.
1: should have lost to Washington according to the postgame win expectancy. Right. They should have lost by 15 points.
0: Yeah, but they didn't. Okay. I know. I mean, it's just one of those things where is Oregon going to be coming off a huge high? Now they are playing on the road. It just— Teams just look different for whatever reason. So I don't want. What here's what I want to do. Like when I watch the game, the you know Washington, and you're like, "Come on, Washington, score, score." I don't like that was just to try to get more than a touchdown win. Like Oregon's better than Washington for sure. But now I got. I'm going to be rooting for like a three score win. Like they got to like not only just outscore, yeah, them, but you know what I'm saying? Like. If I, if I pick Cal and, like, Oregon just beats them 50 to nothing, I'm like I'm not even going to feel bad about it. Like, I can see it. Sure. That, I mean, totally would make sense that that could happen. But I'm just going to sleep better at night knowing, like, I don't want to have to, like, rely on some team coming on the road and and winning by 17 now, points.
1: I want to be clear about something. Yeah. Would I laugh forever if Cal won this game? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Is
0: there a non-zero chance that they win this game? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm just going to take 17 points. Like, Absolutely. Okay. I want my donut. I want some 17 points. I get it. I'll go with that. Okay. Uh, our number 10 team is back in action.
1: USC Trojans.
0: And uh, they're on the road taking on
1: Arizona Wildcats. This is a 4 p.m.er on the Pac-12 network. Not usually a Pac-12 network time slot. No. They usually don't stick that at 4. Uh, number 10, Arizona. Or number 10. <laughs> number 10, USC going on the road to take on Arizona. Uh, USC
0: Arizona's is number t- Oh no, they're number eight in our poll. 10. They were, they almost were number 10, but not quite
1: number one in our hearts. Um, USC is a 15 and point favorite. This really comes down to what you think about, uh, USC's defense matching up against Arizona's offense and yeah. whether you think Jaden Delora is going to be good Jaden or bad Jaden. Cause if he's good Jaden, um, I can absolutely see Arizona covering it and making it like a semi shootout where they lose by 10. Right. But if he's bad Jaden, they could lose by 35. Um I I have a hard time seeing USC stopping scoring at any point, so it's really incumbent upon U- uh upon Arizona to maintain pace to to keep touch. Um will USC be a little bit rusty after a week off? Maybe. Sometimes you see a bye week having a, a, a actually a somewhat negative effect on teams. It depends on how good their coaches are. Um yeah. So
0: this one's tough for me too. Uh, I'm
1: gonna
0: go Arizona. I'm I'm that's I've re- written down Arizona for me. I think it's a 14 point a- USC win. The problem is like you got Johnny Nansen running Arizona's defense versus Lincoln Riley. That's the one I'm having a problem with. You know. Um, But here's the thing I would say. So just one thing to add. uh, USC has not
1: been um, as interested in just absolutely smoking teams off the field as Lincoln Riley's teams at Oklahoma. True. Like their second halves, they've just been kind of like content to just run the ball and and kill the game. Um, The pace has also been pretty slow. Um, So I don't... all, All this will really require for Arizona to cover is for them to score... I don't know twenty four twenty seven yeah, so i'm I'm taking Arizona,
0: so though if you look at Arizona at home, the problem is they did have a good team, one of the top four teams coming to Tucson. It was Oregon um Oregon was only a thirteen point favorite in that game, and they covered, but it was forty nine twenty two um you know, in their losses Arizona's given up forty nine points, so assume Arizona loses, assume. They give up 49. I mean, they give up 49 to Washington. They give up 49 to Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on the road. Their run defense is really bad. So bad.
1: But will Lincoln Riley actually run Travis Dye 25 times?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, but I, I kind of feel like I don't I mean, Arizona can score. I mean, they have a great group of wide receivers. Um, Delores, you know, I think second in the conference in like passing yards and stuff. But like if you're saying 49 points like so does Arizona have to score like in the 30s to like cover this game like ah I am I'm, I'm not sure but I I think I'm going this is the first time all year I'm going to pick against USC but it's a road game my theme this week is take the points and the home dog I'm doing it Arizona first time picking against USC all year but mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been I think I'm 5 and 2 or no yeah 5 and 2 picking Uh, USC, I think it's five and two against the spread. So, all right, next up we've got, this is, I mean, I don't say, okay, game of the year of duh, game of the cent, but game of the best game we've ever had since we've started recording this podcast. Yeah, no,
1: I'm, I'm, I am going to be locked in on this one. Usually I watch USC, um, you know, as you, as you should, um, but this is the one I'm locked in on
0: because, I mean, two interim head coaches going oh, yeah. at it. Like, when when does that get to happen? I it, guess it happened it does, last year. A, and couple it's times.
1: happening. And it's happening on primetime on ESPN. You. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got Arizona Wildcats. No. No. I mean Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. It wasn't that I thought that was this because I know who has interim head coach, and it's also this team, Colorado Buffaloes.
1: 4:30. So so get your all your like uh dinner planning done. All right? Cuz you got to be on the couch watching this one. It's appointment viewing. ASU going on the road to Boulder. Uh 4:30 on ESPN Uh ASU is a 13 and a half point favorite. We've seen this game already. It's just when ASU was named Cal. Um <laughs> that is way too many points. Oh my god. Are you
0: kidding me? ASU is horrible. <laughs> they just lost to Stanford on the road. They no, got to go on the road. We saw what Colorado had like a good atmosphere. Like, no, don't, don't don't get me wrong. I think ASU wins this game. Yes, but they're not winning it by fourteen points. I mean, I mean, Colorado really took a dump last
1: <laughs> week. <laughs> Colorado's horrible. But they were. But ASU is not better. Like they're fine. Like they're, they're they're not even fine. They're 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 a horrendous football team. They're a horrendous football team. Horrendously coached by their horrendous interim coach.
0: Yeah, this is a no brainer. I, I mean, it's a get, like I'm definitely taking the road. I mean, the home dog in this one. Uh, holy cow. 13 and a half points like, I mean, Arizona State, like they might play well. I thought they'd play, you know, I thought they'd play better than they did last week. They didn't score the last 44 minutes of that game. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Like Colorado just looked way feistier at home. I will. I, my pill, My head will hit the pillow. Very soundly, knowing I have Colorado plus thirteen and a half. Like, what might like lose at eight o'clock? What are you talking about? <laughs> it, whatever. No, <laughs> tonight. Like when I make this pick and go to bed, uh, be like, I'm like, I'm gonna feel got really it. good about it. it. Like I'm not gonna sweat this at all. And if Arizona State wins fifty to nothing, I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course they could, they could do that. Uh, but not worried about that one at all. Okay, last one. We've got. Where are they? Stanford Cardinal. Going in the Rose Bowl. I think these two teams lead the league in attendance, if I'm not mistaken. Number 12. UCLA
1: Bruins. Uh, Yeah, you could probably play this one in poly. Um, 7.30 on ESPN. Stanford traveling to number 12, UCLA. Uh, This might be my mortal lock of the week. Uh, UCLA is favored by 16.5. I think they win this by 35.
0: I was going to say. I mean, could it be 36 and a half? Would you take? I mean, I'm, I would think about it. I, I, I'm
1: just, there's, I, I have, I'm, I'm like trying to think of the ways Stanford would win this game. And I'm like, so there's Zach Charbonnet against again. How many re- field goals? What, do take? you remember what I said about this defense? The opportunity rate, where yeah. it's now because of that ASU uh, debacle, uh, it's now 59% of the time they
0: allow a four yard run or more. This is Zach Charbonnet guy. Is he good? Like, can he run the ball? Yeah. Yeah,
1: he sure can. I mean, he went for 150 yards against Oregon last week <laughs> on 20 carries. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's going to go for over 200 yards in this game if they decide to run him that long. Right. Um, and just, I mean, it's one of the few games where, like, if UCLA decides to go big, if they decide to add an extra offensive lineman, it's not a bad idea because Stanford is so weak up front. Um it's just it would be hard for me to imagine UCLA not blowing them out. Now the only question is whether it's one of those things where Stanford does its backdoor shit again because um, they've been doing again. I just curse with Stanford. I don't know why, uh, mm. but if they do their backdoor stuff that they were doing earlier in the year, you know, where they I think they backdoor covered against USC. How many field
0: goals would they need? <laughs> no, they did. They almost backdoor covered. Almost they
1: backdoored them, and then they they scored a bunch of junk time touchdowns against Oregon too. Um, it could be Touch something. Touchdowns.
0: Sim- They've scored one in the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> one touchdown. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I see UCLA
0: scoring 45 plus, and I can't see Stanford scoring more than 20. Yeah. Um, thousand percent agree. Yeah, like I'm gonna like this will be like in my uh, my my bookie bets. This will be like a double or triple unit bet. Uh, like thousand per like yes, I feel really good about this. One. I feel good about my bets this week. All like all the picks. Um, I think that with. Watch this be the week like the the home dog just it craps the bed. You I'm know? I,
1: again so things that will make me laugh forever. Yeah. Cal beating Oregon this week, Stanford beating UCLA would make me. I would I would be like one of those um you know the people in like the nutter who are like just like laughing and just like banging their head against the wall. Yeah, that's where I'll be. Nice if if Stanford wins this one, I will laugh forever. But it will be in that kind of manic way that um is troubling to hear.
0: What would you, okay so. What would be like the sickest result this week? Um, I think like Utah going on the road to losing at Washington State wouldn't be that sick. I the
1: the Pac 12 eliminating itself from playoff contention this week would be so
0: awesome. Arizona like taking down USC. Because, <laughs> all right, so Arizona Cal beating Oregon, Arizona and then beating, beating UCLA.
1: Arizona beating USC is the and this isn't because I, this isn't just me being a USC hater. It's the most believable because Arizona is the closest to, of these teams to having a pulse. Like they actually have an offense.
0: Um, it's the smallest spread of like the, (laughs) right, right. Besides the Utah one. Yeah.
1: Utah, kind of, they're already eliminated. Um, okay. Yeah. From playoff contention, but Oregon USC and UCLA are still technically alive. Um, Cal beating Oregon. It's just so, it would require them playing at such a low level. Um, Stanford beating UCLA, like that's never going to be outside the realm of possibility just because uh, they did it for eleven years straight, even when they had some bad teams. Um, but yeah, that would be the funniest result if some combination of events allows for the Pac twelve to be eliminated in
0: this absolute junk week. Um, we have uh with it, Yai Zhang, I believe. Uh the last UCLA the last time UCLA beat Stanford at home was two thousand eight. Is that correct, David? Probably true. Um,
1: because they haven't played them at home well
0: did they skip in 2020
1: i can't remember if they did or not but yeah that is true i just don't remember what the circumstances for why that's true because stanford's been bad for a few years now
0: uh all right well that's our so our previews but yeah there could be some really crazy results with all these double digit uh point spreads and stuff but make sure you watched the interim head coach.
1: Ball. Oh, right. In 2020, UCLA lost in double overtime to Stanford. 48 in the Rose 47.
0: Bowl. Yeah, in the Rose Bowl. Okay. Uh, all that right. Was cool. That was a cool game. Let's get to some questions. Oh, we can play this one.
1: Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience.
2: Oh, God. This is always death.
0: Not our audience because our audience is great. Uh, let's start off with a voicemail. Hi, Bruin
3: fan here. Question for you guys. And I really enjoy the pod, by the way, and I'm really sad that SC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12. I think it's a big mistake. But anyway, question. Why didn't Dan Lanning, given that Oregon had gotten crushed by Georgia in the opening game of the season, and, uh, the kind of pressure on the team to try and get back into the, uh, um, championship discussion for the playoffs why didn't he just run up the score in ucla i he could easily in my mind put up uh, 60 plus points uh if he'd wanted to uh ucla had no answers whatsoever and um they just took the put off the gas and um kind of treated chip with some respect but i think he should have um, put up as many points as possible to stem the national um kind of uh Impression that Oregon is now that great after losing to Georgia. Uh, Interested in your thoughts. Thanks. Keep up the good work.
1: Great question. Um, I think, so one thing I didn't mention uh, that I thought was um, also a huge, huge um, data point about uh, that Oregon game plan and how they came into the game, Um, they were looking to win that game. Um, It wasn't about trying to showcase anything. And what they did in the third quarter, um, they held the ball. Let me get the exact number because it was super impressive. Um, They had a drive, a scoring drive, because every drive pretty much was a scoring drive for Oregon in that game. Seven straight, yeah. Um, They had a scoring drive in the third quarter where they went uh, 15 plays, 82 yards, and seven minutes and 35 seconds keeping the ball away from UCLA. Um, Dan Lanning... Is not an idiot and he respected UCLA's offense in that game. And so once they got into the second half and they had that 18 point lead, which is only surmountable if the other team's offense starts to make mistakes. Well, you make mistakes when you're opening things up, when you're like fully, you know, trying to throw it downfield a bunch, you make, you throw a pick, you know, mistakes happen. Kept it on the ground and pounded ucla um so they showed two things one he knows how to manage a game and uh two they've got a dominant offensive line and run game at least compared to anybody in the pac-12 um so i thought what he did was actually more impressive from like an evaluating a coach standpoint yeah oregon was scoring at will so in theory they would have kept scoring like they probably could have scored another couple of times in the second half could have made it 59 but in the doing they would have allowed UCLA to score a little bit more too. Uh, right. They controlled the game. They controlled the number of possessions UCLA ended up having such that um UCLA only finished with uh seven real possessions in this game. That's insane. Uh it was three real first half possessions and four in the second half. Um that's I, it was it was a masterful coaching job so I don't want to like get it lost in like this stupid playoff stuff. He turned what was on paper and in like what you were looking at with the two offenses, a relatively even matchup into a 15-point game because he coached better. Um, he managed the game better. Uh, he managed the game perfectly. Um, I think if you're an Oregon fan, you have to be so stoked about the future with what that guy looks like right now, with how he came into this game with such a plan, with such an understanding of w- w- what needs to happen in the course of a game to turn what is an otherwise, you know, close-ish matchup into a semi-blowout. I thought it was just so impressive.
0: Yeah, like one of those things where you'd write down like, okay, well, now you're up by three scores. Ideally, we have a seven-yard touchdown, I mean, a seven-minute touchdown or eight-minute touchdown drive or, you know, or or a nine-minute field goal drive, whatever it is, something like that. You're like, that's going to help our cause. Like, I I feel like they were doing what was right to try to be – to make sure that you said like wasn't going to be able to come back and, and just win the game and I yeah like you said I thought it was sometimes you have a plan was it Mike Tyson said like everyone has a plan to get punched in the mouth Oregon really didn't get punched in the mouth they just kind of had the plan there was a good plan and they were executing the plan and it was working you know and for UCLA their their plan wasn't quite working as well things sort of you know got out of hand and you have to kind of change things I don't think Chip Kelly adjusted certainly as well as as Land Danning did no. Uh, we had an email, I think the first email is from Mark, Pac-12 TV rights and quality of refs. Hey guys, would love to have the answer to this question from the commissioner, George Kleofkoff. Uh He says, since the poor quality of refereeing has been a contributor to numerous games, interruptions, replays, down airs, game clocks, will you be addressing this to gain a better TV media rights deal? And also does the PAC 12 ever rate officiating crews publicly would love to know who they think is the best crew in this league's opinion.
1: I don't think the quality of the officiating has any impact whatsoever on the value of the media rights deal.
0: No, I don't think so either. I don't, and they don't usually do any kind of public um, analysis. I will say, and I don't know this to be the case, but it'd be funny to talk to like Wilner or Canzano off, off, uh, off the record and, Anyone else that you know from the Pac-12 office? But two weeks ago, there was a lot of referee talk, right? And I don't think there was as much this week. Is that something where golf is like, "Look, guys, like we cannot have the refs be the story. We have good teams here. We don't want this to be everyone's just talk about the refs." You know, if that UCLA Oregon game, if it was a lot of ref talk, like you don't you don't want that. So I don't know if that was coming down from the conference office, like, look. You can't be the story of the game, you know, I just think
1: u s c wasn't involved, so you didn't
0: have like just a <laughs> no but of are other games of there. <laughs> just going nuts after the game it was. I mean when the you know Brock Heward or whatever was he was on he was on what's, yeah, uh, uh
1: what's he's got a brother right he's got a couple of them are you really accusing him of he's got a couple of brothers right? I'm so, just asking
0: it's just a question yes, and what's one of them doing? one of them works at u s c oh, he talked weird. about it. he was on the huh. and, uh Wilner podcast. But anyway. Well, knock me over with a feather. You don't want an ESPN broadcast to be talking about the officials. Yeah. If, so if just, that's why you get USC out of the league. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they won't have to worry about it anymore because that's what those do. But I did. I, I thought that was a good adjustment. Like you just don't be the story. Like we, there's so many good stories in the Pac 12. You don't want the refs to be the story because it's never good if the refs are the story. I
1: yeah. agree. Yeah. It's never good if, uh, USC's whining about the refs afterwards. (laughs) Their head coach is whining about the refs. There was an onside kick in this UCLA-Oregon game where it was bang, bang, but Oregon may have blocked UCLA early. Nobody's whining about that. Chip Kelly's not whining about it. Nobody's whining about it because, look, Oregon was kicking their ass. Utah, uh, you know what? If Dalton Kincaid doesn't catch 230 yards worth of balls, you don't lose that game either. True. Control your controllables. Right. Stop whining. All right. This is from uh, J and NY. Is this what USC fans are like? Uh, this for Dave. So Ryan, please mute yourself. JK, Ryan, we love you. Dave, I can mute a- myself. <laughs> I'm going to eat a donut. I'll do that. Yeah, do it. Uh, Dave, after the Utah loss, the amount of whining about the referee and calls for justice, insistence that the game was rigged was unbelievable. I love that this came right after that. Uh, is this what USC fans are like when their team is really good? Um, uh, since we are talking about blown calls, here's a photo of Caleb Williams clearly down on his own goal line. This wasn't called and was the difference between second and 13 from the one foot, or maybe that is a safety, versus first and 10 from the 30 since Caleb scrambled for 30 yards after this. Refs suck. Shit happens. Calls get blown both ways. Nobody knows the impact of those blown calls. The real crime is crying about it. That's So I do want to focus on that sentiment because I think um, crying in sports is totally fine um, in the literal sense like if you you know you're feeling something emotional right you're you're really like you know after a game like the people who are posting photos of caleb williams crying after the game i think that's rude it's mean you know people feel something they're giving something emotionally to the game they're you know really engaged and so whatever but the the whining which is what you're saying here with the crying that's something that like has never been good in sports ever no matter what egregious thing happened to you don't whine about it It's bad sportsmanship, even if you are saying uh, what you're saying is true, even if what you're saying is legitimate. And the legitimacy of USC got a little bit more screwed by the calls in that game than Utah is true. But sitting around just being like, constantly afterwards is another thing. Like, we don't need to do that. And I think one thing I will say, I think Lincoln Riley set a bad example there because it's one thing for the media. It's one thing for even some of the players. It's one thing for the TV broadcasters to be doing it. For the head coach to be just constantly whining, it doesn't set a good example for your players. Like they need to think, you know, hey, there's stuff we can control. There's stuff that but like thinking, oh man, this was taken from us, how's that good? How's that good for like team morale? It's just bleh. I hate that shit. Mm. Um anyway, now I'll answer my own question. Of course, USC fans are like this, but so are all fans. We all feel like refs are biased against our team and that our team is the one that got screwed by the refs. Bottom line: Make the plays in crunch time. You have to. You have to in order to win the game, or don't and lose.
0: Yeah, Jay, and that, you know, to be fair, Lincoln Riley said the refs were poor, but then he said, "But they were the reason we lost the game." So I think he said that. He for did bring it up a couple of times, though. No, uh, I mean in the conference, in the, it was
1: after the game, but then it was another one early
0: the next week. He was asked. Well, he was asked a question about it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I don't think he was. Whining about it, definitely you hear it from uh, a lot of USC fans, and I think that you know if you were said like so the Oregon game, if Oregon blocked the guy, now that's sort of like well Oregon sort of took momentum early in the game, and got that extra possession. You know Oregon ends up winning by fifteen, but still like could the game have changed if there was a call then? I yeah, think in but, this one it but, was like direct like literally like took a like took away interception that became a. A touchdown on the very next play. Like, but all we're talking about- It was like about, a direct- But, but we're know. actually talking about the same
1: thing because yeah. what we're talking about is possessions. We're uh-huh. talking about a possession being taken away and gifted to the other side. If you if you take the contention that the interception would have happened without the, whatever, without the pseudo-ruffing, it would have been an interception. Uh-huh. All you're talking about is an exchange of possession. Um, that's all the onside kick was too. It's just, you know-
0: But that was like a key, like to me, like if you look back, both, we didn't know at the both time. Both were super key. But the thing yeah. is
1: the onside kick is super key too. No, no, and, I'm, I'm and, saying the and, outside and, kick was huge. And like, I do
0: want to be fair. There's a lot of
1: U- UCLA fans who are, like, going Zapruder film on this onside kick, which is, you know, all nutty. It's just there isn't a chorus of – my biggest issue is Lincoln Riley with that. Like, yeah, media are going to say whatever they're going to say. I thought Brock Huard was ridiculous on the broadcast. It's like there've, there have there've been a lot worse calls than those two roughing the passers, and you don't hear this, like, nonsense about – Oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. He sounded like Don McLean on a Pac-Twelve broadcast. It's just like, get out of here, buddy. Um, but uh I thought Brock Heward was ridiculous and I thought Lincoln Riley like say, Oh, we disagreed with some calls, but there was a lot of shit we could have fixed ourselves. And it seemed like he emphasized it more and more. Um and so
0: anyway. Which I think that certainly didn't help. Like if if you when it that's one thing when we're at games and we're not listening to the broadcast no, not that you go to games but when you used to or maybe years ne- ago when you So I don't know what the you know broadcast is saying and then when there's like this thing coming up and I'm like why is everyone talking about this and it's like oh because they said that on the broadcast so then it becomes like a thing right like oh they uh the broadcast talked about it and like I didn't see that or I didn't feel that like on the field or in the press right. box or whatever anyway It's kind of weird but I do I do like that I didn't and maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I didn't get the feeling on any of the games that I was watching. There was only four, but that the refs were like a dominant part of the game. Like I I thought it
1: was a better week for them. Generally. I don't know that it was a directive. I think there's
0: just, (laughs) they're, they're a high variance crew. Uh, the PAC 12 refs. Oh yeah. Very high variance. Uh, is this me? So there's a text message from Brent. Hey guys, Oregon state versus USC was a three point game where USC blatantly held Oregon state in multiple key situations. I don't want to hear about complaints that the refs missed calls in the Utah versus USC game. All Pac-12 refs suck. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes they bend you over and give you the Phoenix. We just need to learn to love the chaos. As a question, the beeves are a quarterback away from being a good team. If JT Daniels had transferred to Oregon State, what would their record be? Um, They'd probably have beaten USC, right? I would think they could be like a 6-1 and one deal right what are they right now four and two i thought they're six and they're six and two aren't they six and two i think yeah yeah they'd be Seven, seven and one, and one. The Seven and one. what'd i say you yeah. said six and one okay so yeah they would have i think well what was the other loss that was uh they went down the road to lost to utah so i don't think that was going to be no they got they got smoked in that game that was 42 16 yeah yeah so i think they can beat usc at home so I think they're four and one in conference and but seven I will and one say that was
1: the first game where Gold Branson was playing a ton, the the Utah game on the road. Yeah. So that one remember it was like a turnover like nonsense show? Yes. It would have been closer. I don't think they're undefeated right now, but seven and one pretty easily. Yeah, I don't think they beat Utah on the road. Like that wasn't yeah. happening. And JT um, Daniels would have been motivated too. Oh, yeah. oh hell yeah. Um Okay. And then uh what do we got next? Uh Matthew, no. This is from Ross. Uh QBs. Hey guys, is Bo Nix officially playing as the best Pac-12 quarterback as of today? I don't think there's any question about it.
0: Yeah, no, he's uh I think if you look I gotta look at the advanced stats. I mean, first of all, he hasn't been sacked. He's been sacked like one time. Um and if, like and if especially if you take out that Georgia game, I would say, yeah, I I think you could say he's playing the best uh right now.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, watching him in that game, uh, I mean, that was the best game he's played this year uh, against UCLA, Um, but that was impressive. That was really, really impressive. I mean, he's now almost at 72% completions. He's at uh, well over eight and a half yards per attempt, Um, only thrown three picks this year. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was going to give the title that Dorian Thompson Robinson going into that game, but you got the head to head and, you know, Thompson Robinson was fine, but he wasn't spectacular
0: and Nick's was. Yeah. He's been uh really good. All right. There's another text message. Uh, David mentioned a week or two ago that UCLA will probably have to look at the transfer portal for its next quarterback with uh DJ being pulled for uh club. Nick set the percentage that DJ is playing for UCLA next season. Josh in Charleston. He is referring South Carolina. to
1: friggin Clemson players like we know who the hell he's talking about. And it's only because I watched a portion of this game that I have any idea what he's talking You're
0: about. You're talking about DJ Ungulale, right? Right.
1: And Club Nick, who's the five star who
0: came in for him to win
1: that game against Syracuse.
0: You know what? I have a little beef real quick. Like we cover high school recruiting out here uh-huh. and like to a Tunga Vailoa. Like that's what you know, like you learn these the the names. When We're going through the high school process, and that's where you're told, and you talk to the family, and this is what they say. Somehow they get to college, and then it starts to be pronounced differently. And now, like, the TV announcer pronounces it differently, and that's the way it's supposed to. I, mean, I don't get that, like, I don't know how it changes. Yeah, you know, you fought
1: hard to learn those names,
0: and then it changed. And they're like, How did that change? We knew, we've known this kid since he was 16. Yeah, and it was that what happened. Sorry,
1: I think no, it's at side. a certain point you get sick of people mispronouncing your name, and so you just go with whatever they do. Ah, maybe that's it. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if UCL is going to really want. I, going to want DJ. Um, he looked like really good two weeks ago, and then he's I mean, been fine. Clubs is
0: probably going to make the playoffs. Maybe it's
1: a Bo Nix reclamation project, but I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's great. Um, and he hasn't been great there um he's been fine this year but not spectacular and yeah. he's got a lot of weapons around him that he might not have at UCLA next year so i don't know if it's like a great situation for
0: him to go into so it's not good for the Pac12 that Clemson's going to like kind of just be undefeated you know um, needed UC, like pretty much needed U C latest day undefeated. Yeah,
1: Clemson's been toying with it all season though. Yeah, it's um, like, who they, they've lose? had a couple of games where they've come very very close to losing. Right, and they just haven't. I just don't know but, who's left. Like North but Carolina. But there's some weird something. stuff that could happen. I mean, South Carolina's shown a pulse. Yeah. Um Notre Dame on the road could Beamer be weird ball. because Clemson's offense isn't that great. But um, Notre Dame's so bad. Notre Dame is so bad, but Did they you know still, they lost to Stanford. <laughs> And almost lost the Cal. They, they got one
0: touchdown to the Stamper. <laughs>
1: they almost lost the Cal. <laughs> they needed a bullshit. Notre Dame lost the stamper. Think of, Go back, go back in time. They needed a bullshit offsides call to beat Cal.
0: Yeah, because we got, we, well got we got
1: to rethink that now because that was back when we thought Cal like was at least like halfway decent. And now we know their butt. And now we know their butt. And Notre Dame needed a BS call to win that. Yeah. Um. No. But Clemson has I mean, they've had some struggles. They barely beat Wake. They barely but beat Wake's NC good. State. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they barely be, they, they, they just were barely down. beat. They, uh, yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse, Syracuse had to blow this game. I don't know. Yeah. Like I watched the whole thing because it was Syracuse the morning. Cooked it. I think it was really bad. They yeah. they had a a roughing uh, call out of bounds. That was it was first a, a semi weak call, but it extended a drive that was gonna be nail in the coffin. Oh um, uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't think Clemson is very good, but yeah, they could back into the playoff. Um, all right. Next up, we've got. Oh, boy. What is this one? USC Fragility and a Bold oh, Prediction. I'm
0: glad you got this one.
1: I already ate my donut, though. I should
0: have <sighs> saved it. This is from uh, Tag and Salt City. Can you give Salt me some Lake more City? tea, by the way? I'm out of tea. I will jump across the table. We've only been murder. going like an hour and 36 minutes, so it's not too bad. <laughs> hey, Ryan
1: and Dave been a while since I've written in, but over the past few days, I've been completely flabbergasted by the outrageous fragility of the USC fan base and media industrial complex. I get it. A few calls went against SC that definitely impacted the game against my Utes. It's completely natural to lash out at things out of your control, like referees when things don't go your way. But my goodness, the sheer amount of tantrum throwing I've seen online and group chats and on podcasts is blowing my mind. I'm not even going to bother talking about the game itself, although I could for hours because it was awesome, but how did everyone at USC get so fragile? Have they always been this way? We're talking about USC, an elite private school in the heart of Los Angeles, a school blessed by the gods with sunny weather, 11 national championships, and seven Heisman trophies, not to mention an enormous and powerful alumni base who can conjure up millions of dollars for buyouts or NIL deals at the snap of a finger a school who decided they wanted to start competing again in football and immediately hired a top-five coach away from another traditional powerhouse and loaded up a roster with dozens of other schools' best players. And you're trying to tell me they can do all of this but can't overcome some shoddy refereeing? Not much worse than what seems to happen every single week in this godforsaken conference? And even worse, against Utah? Twelve years ago, Utah was a plucky little mid-major school who had gotten hot twice in five years and started to make a name for themselves. Over the last 12 years, Utah's average recruiting class is 40th while USC's is 13th including eight top 10 classes and only one outside of the top 20. But on the field, both have claimed to three South titles and one conference championship. So spare me the persecution complex and woe-is-me attitude from Los Angeles. And good luck competing in the Big Ten against programs who have as many, if not more, resources, because if the last 12 years are any indication, SC is going to absolutely wallow in mediocrity. Tag and SLC, who loved USC growing up, got accepted with an academic scholarship and decided not to go there. So don't call me some SC hater. Tag in SLC spitting flames. There's some flames there from Tag. I, I think this should go on our masthead of our website that you keep directing people to.
0: We could go there. Uh, this was uh, three days ago. Yeah. yeah, like people are still bringing it up. Yeah, you want to know why? Because
1: hmm. your, your 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 fan base went into meltdown mode for like an entire week after this game. The bye week came at a horrible time for USC because it allowed them to just whine and whine and Uh, whine. I don't
0: know about the whine. For an entire week. I think it was like an early thing and then sort of got to move on. But people are moving on. It's been
1: nonstop crying.
0: Nice. I don't, I don't, yeah. Nonstop. We'll see. Can't stop, won't stop. There were a lot of people that loved the muting. That was good.
1: There were some people that loved the muting. Yeah. There was also a friend of ours in the itunes reviews who did not love yeah the one but
0: then we also got we got like two five stars that were pro mutes and then one that was uh, anti-mute i think so. there
1: was one pro mute one anti-mute i think yeah. it's an even battle <laughs> i think we need to have a poll i think we need to determine uh, do where poll. things stand on the muting
0: we have uh one last question well then we have a we have a voice and we have some chat ones too uh thanks for everyone by the, going in the chat by the way i love the live streams and a lot of fun um We got a few more questions from that. But the email question is uh, from Anthony in L.A. Hey, Ryan and David, a fun what-if scenario. Oh, we already got this one. What if JT Daniels goes to Oregon State instead of uh, WVU? Would the Beavs be undefeated? So we kind of talked about that already. Yeah, all right. But uh, thank you for that one. Sorry. We don't pre-read these things. Uh, Here's the voicemail. (laughs)
2: Hey, what's up, guys? It's
1: Perk. Um, I asked kind of a similar question to this probably about two or three weeks back um, about Oregon football, but um, I know back at the beginning of the season after the Georgia loss, you guys had kind of expressed some concern about the Oregon coaching staff, and that is potentially comprised of too many guys that were good recruiters and good assistants but never really spent time as coaches. And I was wondering, given how things have played out since that game and kind of how much better teams they've gotten – you still have those same concerns about the staff or nope. is it just too early to tell? Thanks, guys. Uh big nope. Uh, that was probably one of the worst misreads I've had in a in a slew of them uh, on this show. Um you know, I'm I'm taking a lot from uh, what I've seen from, you know, the assistants I'm familiar with and I think I was walking away saying, well, Kenny Dillingham, he was never re- a right. real OC before this year. Uh Land Danning was a GA seven years ago. Um and so instead of taking from that, well, these guys just got big come-ups, it's because they've shown something at the other, you know, at their other jobs, I take it as, uh, oh, it's just more coaching nepotism and guys are just getting hired because they're coaches. Um but no, horrible mystery of what they've done. Um uh particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively, um I'm I'm familiar with Tosh LePoy's work, um, and I have my doubts about him as an effective defensive coordinator. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm sure Lanning, Danning, uh, thought, well, I'm a defensive guy. I can lend my support to that side of the ball, and Tosh is a great recruiter. Um, But I think you now look at the composition of um, that staff, and particularly the hiring of Dillingham, which nobody would have looked at that and said, oh, yeah, that's a bang-up hire. That's great. But when you look at his pedigree... um, because I did like in the preview to this game, I was like looking at him a little bit more heavily. And he spent so much time with Mike Norvell, who um, for a long time I have thought is one of the, you know, kind of most intricate designer of offenses um, going, especially in the younger side of things. Um, And there's a lot of Gus Malzahn tree there too, because Mm -hmm. Norvell coached under Malzahn at Tulsa. And then Dillingham spent a year at Auburn under Malzahn. um, And Malzahn, whatever your complaints with him from his time at Auburn is also a really innovative, uh, dynamic offensive coach. So I think the reality is Danning did his homework and hired somebody great as his offensive coordinator. Um, I think he might need to do something on the defensive side. I don't think they should be as bad as they are um, uh, statistically. I think they've got too much talent to be, but he went out and did a did a real thing offensively. And so even if Dillingham goes after this year, say ASU decides to hire him, um, cause he's an ASU guy. Uh, I, I think if you're an Oregon fan, you gotta be pretty confident in Danning, just pulled the rabbit out of his hat essentially. Yeah. And he had the confidence to do it because Oregon certainly has money. They probably could have hired somebody quote unquote more proven. Um, but he went and said, no, that's my guy. And I would be pretty confident in his ability to do so again.
0: Yeah, I love how you say danning, like as a like I only say it as like land danning. Like it has to be a whole thing. But you're just like full on go with danning. Like yeah. you ch- you know, change the name and just not even use correct the first name of LAN, which mm-hmm. I kind of needed to be part of that. Yep. You're right. I mean, definitely unproven, um, on that side of the, I mean, as far as like coaching and stuff goes, but it didn't mean that w- couldn't work. Um, but you just you weren't sure, you know. Not that everything, you know, proven thing guys don't work out. But it's been it's been pretty impressive what what they've been able to do. You know, we see there's still a bunch of season left, uh, but yeah, you got to get I, you you have to give props um, to the way he's been able to put the staff together, get them to play together, and a lot of it's leadership. You know, I mean, you if you could have the same staff with a different leader and get way different results. So I think part of it is just you know people are following you, like you are the head coach. If you're calling the defense, if you're calling the offense, whatever it is. You're setting, you're making so many decisions throughout the off season, how you practice, how you work out, what the meetings are like, all that stuff. All that stuff matters, you know, and you don't know, like you've, you've not done that before where by year five, you're like, you know what? I I set up the schedule this way and it didn't work for this reason. Like you don't have any of those data points. You could, you know, you'd learn from Kirby Smart or from different coaches. So yeah, but you got to give him props. I think, you know, what he's doing, the buttons he's pushing as a head coach, you're pushing lots of buttons. It's working. And uh, that, you know, that's the bottom line there. Yep. Let's go. We'll get a couple, and we'll get out of here because we've been going for a while. Uh, this is from Alex. Uh, a USC recruiting podcast had a show which lasted three hours. How long would a UCLA recruiting podcast last? You know, since Chip loves recruiting.
1: The only way it would last that long is if we spent one hour on every commit. <laughs>
0: So we talk about – so Gerard can talk a long time. Like you've probably talked some recruiting to Gerard. I've talked to Gerard, yeah. Yeah. It, there's, there's a lot of talking. And uh, I used to do one with him, and I would try to like shape it to be like an hour, an hour and a half. Uh-huh. And sort of like there were people actually were mad. They're like, just let Gerard talk. So Chris and Chris Trevino and, and Gerard do this.
1: You know what we need to do? We what? need to get Gerard and Brandon Huffman on a podcast together.
0: That You know, because we, they were talking about trying to do a 24-hour marathon podcast. I think, uh, I think those two Huff, to...
1: Huff and Gerard would be—that would be toe-to-toe. Toe to toe. I, I think that one might go seven hours. I could do it, yeah. Because like, Huff will bring, like, historical stuff in. Oh, Gerard like, does that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, wow, how do you remember that? Yeah. And just, like, tying it all together in a neat little bow. And by neat, I mean, like, it's all over <laughs> the place, but it's a beautiful thing to watch.
0: <laughs> we could do that. And then yet another duck fan is Clemson. Uh, the thing Kly- uh, Klyachkov, he put Klyachnikov. points to if they get in the playoff for the reason to stay in the pack.
1: Well, I think uh, I, that requires like a nuanced understanding of things that, like I think, the majority of people complaining about Pac-12's lack of position in the playoff don't really understand anyway. Which is Clemson? Uh, they dominate a bad league, and so they get to the, go to the playoff. Um, but that's what I've been saying on this stupid show for years: is that you the the Pac-12 is a better league, but it doesn't have that team. They haven't no. had that team now in six years that yeah. is dominant enough that they're just eating up all the other weaklings. Um, Clemson's not great, but they're able to beat up on the ACC. I think the margin certainly got a lot closer this year, but um. Pack 12 just hasn't had it. So I don't know if it's an argument that uh, Kliavkov will put out there at all. Um, but I think it is for us on this show, it'll be like, well, yeah, they finally got that team. Um, and whether it's Oregon or USC or UCLA or nobody this year, um, you
0: know, the proof will be in the pudding. And we got one last one from EVS. It's a question for Dave How bad is UCLA's defense on a scale of one to 10, one being the best D ever, 10 being absolute poo poo? Hmm.
1: I'd go like a probably like a seven and a half or an eight. Um. Wow. I don't, I don't think it's horrible. Approaching
0: poo-poo?
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um. I don't think it's like. I don't think it's the worst ever. I think there's a few aspects of it that are certainly better than last year. Um. Yeah. I think they're they're better tackling at safety, and I think they've got a a better four man pass rush. Um. Too much is being taken from this Oregon game. From a assessing the defense standpoint. And I don't want to say it wasn't, it was good. It wasn't. Oregon is a super elite offense. Like they're, um, like if you look at their underlying numbers, they're right up there with one of those Chip Kelly offenses right now um, from the Oregon years. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's, I mean, yeah, you're going to look bad against that offense. Most defenses are. Uh, but in the previous weeks, they'd been, they'd been a bend, but they been don't, pretty good. They'd been a bend, but don't break defense that, broke um but they did do a lot of bending before it so it would be like these long drives that eventually the other team scores um and so they needed to shore up that one thing against oregon it was just a lot of breaking um so it's you know obviously you can take from that Oh, the or the defense is finally done everyone's gonna be able to take advantage of it not every offense is oregon <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like i think the one remaining offense that aside from usc that might have a chance is arizona and that's just, again, what we talked about with the previewing the USC-Arizona game. It's dependent on Jaden DeLora whether he comes in looking good or looking bad. Um, but otherwise, I think the defense is suddenly going to look better again this week because they're going against, uh, you know, shitty Stanford. Again, just cursing with
0: Stanford. <laughs> you do.
1: Um, Stanford breaks it out. I know. ASU is not going to do anything to them. Cal is not going
0: to do anything to them. Arizona. Stanford scored like five times, though, in the last game. Like That's true. They had, not a lot? they had
1: five scoring drives. Yeah. Got to remember that. Um, but they they got murked by uh by Oregon and and, you, and most teams are going to.
0: This is a relative scale. Like you go on the road and look bad on defense against Oregon, like well, well, who's good? Like who's gonna go into Eugene and look good on defense in the conference? Like I don't think anybody like they I mean relative scale, people are saying eight or seven and a half in the chat, approaching poo poo, but like if you want to scale it for the conference, like it's middling for the conference yeah. this year.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not horrible. I'm thinking like qualitatively because if you compare it to, I guess I'm always comparing it to UCLA defenses past, and uh-huh. it's better than the worst, and it's not as good as the best. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm saying seven and a half probably because I'm a little tainted by this last game too. <sighs> Reality is it's maybe a six or a seven.
0: Mm. Um, it's it's middling to poor. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was good. I hope you guys enjoy the Thursday night game. Uh, just. So you guys know, Dave and I's picks now, we are dead even again. Uh We were significantly above 500. We're both 32-27-1 and one, uh, against the spread, which is good, but it's not as good as it was uh, a few weeks ago. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll get back on track uh this week. I think we have all the same except one. So the Oregon-Cal game is the only one uh, we have differently, but... Thanks to everyone who was watching on the live stream on YouTube. So awesome to have you guys with us and stuff, uh, sticking with us for almost two hours, which is kind of crazy in the middle of your workday. Um, but we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, hope you all enjoyed the show. Make sure you rate us, uh, like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate that. Follow Dave on Twitter at David David Woods. Follow me at Inside Troy, and the the podcast is at Pactflow Podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye.